0: Hello. Welcome to Jewels Says. I'm Julie Jewels. If you have anything you'd like to share, you can email me at JewelsSays at gmail.com. J-E-W-E-L-S says at gmail.com. Happy Unequal Pay Day! According to the Canadian Women's Foundation, April 12th, represents an average of how far into the year women work in Canada to earn what men made by the end of the year. Of course, I know a lot of people who say, well, that's because they're the ones who do the hard jobs. Yeah, they do do jobs that I couldn't do. Some of us do jobs that they wouldn't be willing to do or couldn't do, but those jobs happen to be undervalued. Try living in a world where there's nobody to care for your children, your sick or your elderly, but I digress. This pay situation is, of course, worse for women and gender-diverse people who face multiple barriers like racism, ableism, and, of course, the trusty homophobia. But anyway, I have to say that I'm getting a bit tired of feeling sad. And when I feel sad, I feel guilty for the sadness because the comfort and privilege of my life is certainly not lost on me. And then I read about so many amazing people who've accomplished such great things, including my own daughters, and I'm in awe of their courage, their hard work, their talent, and everything else that goes into it, because it's not just talent alone, of course. Then my head spins to feeling guilty for being so ordinary, for not trying harder. It's so stupid, and I didn't try hard enough all my life to accomplish things. I dabbled in many, many things, but never really focused. And then instead of doing something constructive, my brain then gravitates to ridiculous thoughts about my imperfect appearance, what I shouldn't have eaten. I ate a piece of homemade pumpkin spice cake today. If this spiral just sounds like nonsense to you, congratulations for not having this mindset. But if it sounds familiar, you're not alone. I'm there. I actually realized it was almost like an epiphany after my mother died that I manage stress, sadness, grief by switching focus from the real problem to my physical flaws. And then I start feeling sorry for myself because I don't like what I see. And then I feel guilty for being so shallow and feeling sorry for myself. This whirlpool of sadness and guilt is an absolutely ridiculous distraction from the thing that's really bothering me. But it almost seems as though it could be a form of dissociation. I don't know. It's weird. But this is a pattern for me. And when I think about it in that context, it makes sense when people say that society's focus on women's appearance is an insidious plot to distract us from our real value and distract us from working toward real accomplishments. This certainly seems to have always been true for me, even though intellectually I know darn well that it's a waste of energy and it's a waste of my mind. So, yeah. The shitstorm the world is in right now saddens me and I try not to talk about it because I'm trying to strike a balance between being aware of what's going on in the world while not dwelling on things that I have no ability to change. It's better, I guess, to look in the mirror and turn that frustration on myself because that I can maybe try to control. So yeah, I've been feeling sad lately. So my, whenever I feel this way, I look worse when I look in the mirror. It's almost as though my reflection is a reflection of how I'm feeling inside. So my mind goes to, what can I change? What can I change? And I tend to avoid mirrors because when I feel this way, My dislike for my reflection increases. It's as though my reflection is an actual reflection of what I'm feeling. And I know, I know this so well. But lately, my frustration and sadness has been focused on my hair. It's a safe enough place then I don't have to think about the real things that are eating at me. And I've never liked my hair, but I like it a lot less when I'm unhappy. I haven't been to a hair salon since, I don't know, maybe 2012? These days, either Abe cuts my hair or I cut it myself. But my hair is so fine and thin, I had given up on it ever looking presentable. Carrie used to do my highlights maybe two or three times a year, but she's busy. And I had let my natural mousy dark ash blonde grow out for over two years. A lot of people grew their grey out during the pandemic. This wasn't pandemic-related. I had kind of decided I would do it to see if it thickened up any, if I wasn't chemically processing it. But lately, I've gotten to the point where I couldn't stand the sight of myself. So I decided to get highlights at a salon by a professional stylist. Ooh. And one of my friends said, oh, I'm so glad you're going to pamper yourself. (laughs) Pamper? Pamper? There's a reason I haven't been to a salon in over 10 years. Don't get me wrong. I would gladly spend the money and endure a couple of hours in a chair if I even once, once, walked out of there looking better. But after about 30 years of trying, I realized that my hair is truly unsalvageable, and I gave up. I think my first visit to a stylist might have been in my early 20s, when my when my hair was actually better than it is now. And I finally gave up in my early 50s. But here I am again. I guess I'm an optimist. Carrie briefed her on the condition of my hair, and I also briefed her on the thin, fine fragility that is my hair. So she asked, how bright do you want it? As bright as possible without damaging it. That was the caveat. She agreed that my hair was indeed fragile and required careful handling. It took her about three hours to highlight my dark ash mouse to an almost white-gray, and trim only the most obvious wisps of unevenness from my last self-cut. I didn't realize the cut wasn't included. As I watched her blow it dry, I thought, well, at least it's not brassy. It looks gray, but maybe this is the light. I was also worried that it was too bright, that she surely must have, like, how can it be this light without having been damaged? So I started thinking again, Maybe I need to go to headpieces. I don't know. Would it be offensive to Muslims if I started wearing a hijab? So I chatted with my friend Shanaz just this morning, and she said it would not be offensive. She only wears a hijab to certain events. And a lot of the young women are wearing it just as a fashion piece. And she recommended that I look up some other headpieces if I'm feeling that way. I just really feel like it is quite bleached out and the less I process it and wash it and blow it dry probably the more likely I am to be able to keep what I have. I don't think I would be comfortable shaving it off entirely and investing in a high quality wig though I have pondered the option but I do think I'd look worse with a shaved head because I don't exactly have Demi Moore or Jada Pinkett's beautiful face I know, I know, I know. I'm garbage. Here comes the guilt. I don't have uh, alopecia, and I'm not going through chemo, and I don't live in a war zone, and I have a comfortable home and too much food and excellent health, and my children and grandchildren are all healthy and safe. Ugh! Maybe I was better off spending 10 hours a day focused on a job I didn't like after all. The next day, I called Carrie and booked an appointment to get some Botox. Botox doesn't cost much more than getting your hair highlighted. It takes way less time, less than half an hour, and you don't need to keep it up three times a year. And you know, some people go to a hairstylist a lot more than three times a year. I am a shallow little bitch. This is just my psychological misdirection of my sadness. But thankfully, I have two hugely happy happenings over the next month, and I am grateful, so grateful for that. First, I will be heading to England to see Kath and all the loves, and I include the pets in that group. And then from there to Kelowna, or Kaluna, as Catherine sometimes calls it, to see Joanne and Richard and watch Joanne Ryan portray Elle Woods in Legally Blonde, the musical. Then I get home for a few days then to Montreal for a gal's weekend to celebrate a good friend's 50th birthday. So I have a lot to look forward to. Then later in the month, I'm getting new headshots because my hair is a completely different color than it is in my current ones. Anyway, in the meantime, I need to stop feeling this way. I don't have a therapist, so I will sing. Singing always makes me feel better. I listen to music or podcasts while I cook, clean, or drive. I don't drive very often, but when I do, it keeps me awake. But if I'm listening to music, I have to sing. Sometimes I'm not even aware that I'm doing it, so I have a hard time listening to music unless singing is allowed. I've actually been spoken to in the office for singing quietly to myself, not even realizing I was doing it. Sometimes when Abe has somewhere to go, and that's not very often these days, I turn on my music, plug my mic into my amp, and just sing into the mic, all alone, all genres, lead, backup. Sometimes I sing the instruments, trumpet, guitar, whatever it is, until he comes home. I can actually entertain myself for hours. For me, singing soothes the psyche. Which is why I keep banging on about how important it is to make sure artistic and athletic opportunities are universally available to children. We all need something. For me, that thing is singing. Since Hair Highlight Day, I've ramped up the singing while I cook. I sometimes don't because if Abe's still working upstairs, I don't want to disturb him and I am, I am kind of loud. I've tried to rap, but I'm terrible at it. Terrible. If you've never tried to rap, please try it, no matter whether you like the rap genre or not. If you try to do it, it will increase your respect, admiration, and appreciation of how difficult it is. Catherine and Carrie happen to be excellent rappers. I don't know why. They certainly did not inherit this from me. Joanne is a beautiful singer, but I don't know whether she's even tried to rap. Yeah, I'm a terrible rapper. Actually, (laughs) I was singing a song about what a terrible rapper I am. And Abe came down and he says, what are you talking about? You're a fantastic rapper. And I looked at him a bit confused because I could tell that he was being sincere. And I said, what are you talking about? I'm a fantastic rapper. I'm terrible. And he's like, are you crazy? You're fantastic. I said, No, I'm not. Where are you getting this? And then I said, uh, have you heard me rap? What's your problem? And he went, oh, I thought you meant you were terrible at wrapping gifts. You're really good at wrapping gifts. (laughs) Thanks. And that is true.
1: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's stamps.com. Code program.
0: Now, the fact that I love singing so much might lead you to believe that I'm a huge karaoke fan, but I'm actually not. If I'm going to sing in front of people, I prefer to be prepared. And I get quite nervous. My mouth goes dry. My throat constricts. My stomach feels a little bit sick. And if I get up there and the version is in a different key than whatever version I'm used to, it can be quite challenging because it might be out of my range. I also like to sing a lot of men's songs. I have a pretty broad range and I can go lower than a lot of women, but I'm not Frank Sinatra. Having said that about karaoke, I have to say I am intrigued by trying karaoke with a live band. I recently discovered, and I wish I had known this pre-pandemic, I've been following a local band called Good Enough Live Karaoke, and I love the concept. Instead of karaokeing to a track, you're on a stage singing with a live band. And as much as I don't generally like karaoke, I really feel like I just have to try this. They have a Thursday night residency at the Gladstone Hotel in Toronto, and I ran the idea by my friend Paula. After sharing a bottle of wine, we were quite enthusiastic about the prospect and agreed that we'd bring our guys. But Abe scowled at the thought of going out at 9 p.m. on a weeknight, and Paula admitted that once she gave it some thought, she realized she had not considered her partner's 5 a.m. start time the next day. So we scrapped that idea. And as much as I really enjoy doing things alone and going out alone, I just don't think this is one of those things I want to do alone. Then I got thinking, like, this is why I need that 10-hour-a-day job to focus so that I stop ruminating on ridiculous things. Because then I got thinking that I should find a way to be in a band, just a backup singer, maybe the occasional lead singer. The problem is, I don't play an instrument and I'm old. I can hardly play the piano. Maybe if I worked at it more, I could get better, but yeah. And Abe bought me a bass guitar years ago. I used to always say, Oh, when I retire, I'm going to learn to play the bass guitar. But I haven't learned to play it yet. And even if I started now, I'd never be good enough. That ship sailed a long, long time ago. There are so many things I'd like to be good at and that I've never focused on enough to learn any of them well. But, oh God, here I go again. All my life I've dabbled, never focused. But I was in a band for a very short time way back in the day, 1982, before I married the girl's father. A really good friend of mine was the drummer, and they had booked a gig at the Courtright Hotel But their singer backed out due to her intense stage fright. So he asked me, would I, could I step in for her? Hell yes, I can absolutely step in. I didn't have much time to learn the songs, though. I think I only had a few days. And you don't want to be on stage in a rock band holding a choir binder with lyrics. And in those days, of course, iPads and tablets hadn't been invented, obviously. Once I had gotten on board. The original gal decided she could do it after all. So we ended up sharing the gig, which was actually a huge relief to me because then I only needed to learn half the songs. What a rush. We had a couple of rehearsals, then showtime. The Cartwright Hotel was on the St. Clair River in the town of, what do you think, Cartwright, a few miles south of Sarnia. I actually looked it up. I mean, I haven't been to court right in a long time. I looked it up. It was demolished in the late 1990s, I think. But anyway, it's no longer there. But in 1982, it was a dodgy little uh, dilapidated hotel with a bar that was the venue of our gig. I think we played Friday and Saturday night. I, it seems to me that it was the two nights. I loved it. I felt badass. Neither the other singer nor I played an instrument, so I did feel self-conscious standing there when I wasn't singing. So we took turns, and I would sit down and watch when she was singing. She was really good. She was also gorgeous. She was definitely over her stage fright. On the Saturday, this swarthy, unkempt patron who was Uh, at least twice my size, marched up to me between sets. Play some Ozzy Osbourne, he ordered. Out of respect for his guitar player. Ozzy Osbourne's guitar player, Randy Rhodes, had recently died in a plane crash. I just said, I'm sorry, we don't know any Ozzy. But he was adamant and angry. Play some Ozzy Osbourne. I tried to diffuse the situation by just saying... Listen, I think it would be disrespectful for one of us to sing Ozzy. I don't think we'd do him justice. Plus, we don't have a bat. At the time, there had been a lot of buzz about this story. Someone threw a live bat on stage at one of his concerts, and Ozzy, thinking it was a rubber bat, bit into its head, but it turned out to be an actual live bat. Disgusting. Disgusting. At the time, there was speculation that this had been a deliberate antic, but anyway, the guy said, I have a bat, a baseball bat, in my truck, (laughs) and he walked away. I just shrugged it off, you know. I'd seen men like that before, and usually they were all talk, and he hadn't actually threatened me with the bat, but anyway, I asked the three guys if they knew any Ozzy Osbourne, because I figured, you know, if they know it, it might be a good idea to do one but they didn't. Later on, when I was finished for the night and the other singer was singing her last set, I was sitting near the front watching the band, and I felt something hit the back of my head hard. A beer bottle. I reached down to pick it up off the floor. It was almost full. Huh. No wonder it felt so hard. I calmly got up and walked to the ladies' room because I could feel myself getting angry, and you know what happens when I get angry. Embarrassing, weak tears well up in my eyes, and I did not want anyone to see that. I knew from experience that tears feed the beast. They love it. They love to sneer at the weakness of it. No way was this guy getting that satisfaction. So I took some deep breaths to calm myself. Then I looked in the mirror to see if my mascara had run. A rivulet of blood snaked from the back of my head and down my neck to my chest. Oh, no wonder that hurt. The strange thing is, that actually calmed me. I just walked out of the washroom straight up to the manager and told him that some guy had hit me on the back of the head with a beer bottle, who I thought it was, but the guy had left. It might not have been him, but he did run out as soon as the bottle hit my head, so it probably was. I mean, he was willing to miss last call. And Cartwright is a small town. I guarantee you that manager knew exactly who he was. Anyway, I went to the hospital and got a few stitches. It really wasn't a bad cut. It's just that even minor cuts to the head tend to bleed quite profusely relative to their size. Now, did this make me not want to do another gig? No, it did not. What it did do was make me understand why you should always keep your back to a wall in places like that. I don't know why, but I've always liked dodgy little bars, and I had trusted that my non-threatening small size and gender would protect me from something like that in a public place. Obviously, I knew I had to be careful walking to my car, especially before we had automatic locks. But live and learn. It's the woman's responsibility to make sure she's safe. It's not the men's responsibility to not be violent. The point is, I still loved being in that band. Sadly, though, that weekend was my first and last gig the drummer who had recruited me let me know that they didn't need two singers. I mean, that made sense. And now that their first gal had gotten over her stage fright, thank you, but we want to keep her on. And besides, you don't look her sound rock and roll. You're more musical theater. I think that's the part that hurt more than anything. Them not needing two singers absolutely made sense she was their first choice all along. That made sense. I was just there to help them out in a bind. But he had to also tell me that I don't look or sound rock and roll. Okay. That was the knife twisting. I was so disappointed. I love musical theater, don't get me wrong. But I also loved singing with this band. I thought I could be so much better if I'd had more than two rehearsals and a few days to learn a set list. There are all kinds of good reasons that they went with her. After all, she was the original. She was really good. She was gorgeous. And the reality is that matters if you're a front woman with no instrument. They want someone who's nice to look at. But I found out later that both the drummer and the lead guitar player were in love with her. I'm not saying that was a reason for their preference. They had perfectly valid reasons, but it certainly didn't hurt. They ended up having problems over it later, unfortunately, and I think she did go on to sing with other bands. Maybe if they'd gone with me and nobody was in love with me, they'd be together today. Who knows? Maybe my vibe was to musical theater. (sighs) Damn it, I should have learned to play the bass guitar back then, but honestly, the idea never occurred to me until 30 years later, and now it's too late. Well, too late to be good enough to be in a band. So make hay when the sun shines, ideally when you're young. You think you have forever in front of you, but it flies by in a flash. Having said all that... If I could find a local band who wants an old lady singer, I'm in. They don't have to pay me. I just want to be there. And in the meantime, I am going to, at some point soon, learn to play my Daisy Rock hot sparkling pink bass guitar. And if I get around to giving good enough live karaoke a try, I'll be sure to let you know how it goes. I'll post a link to Good Enough Live Karaoke on my Facebook page, Jewels Says. Feel free to check it out and absolutely feel free to comment. Thank you for listening. If you're feeling sad about everything that's going on in the world, I hope you're able to find peace and kindness and happiness wherever you can. If you would like to ask or share anything with me, email me at says at gmail.com. If you celebrate, happy Easter, Passover, or maybe you're in the midst of Ramadan. No matter who you are or where you are, I wish you peace, love, and safety.